great God, that you've given us your word in a book, and that book in our hands, that we can know more about you, we can know you more, and you can know us. I just pray for this time. I pray that this word would not go out empty. Um, and I pray that uh, it wouldn't be me preaching, but it would actually be you speaking through your word. Get me out of the way. Uh, they don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you, Lord. And so I pray that you would do a great, great work here. Help us to focus, help us to learn, and help us to be more like Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, in case you have not noticed, 2016 is over. Uh, for some people, that's a really good thing. In case you didn't notice, 2016 was not a good year for celebrities. Uh, a lot of favorites, unfortunately, were lost this year. A lot of people whose lives were affected by those celebrities uh, had a kind of a tough year. Uh, if you're a Harry Potter fan, we lost Professor Severus Snape. Uh, Alan Rickman died back in January. For those who are into rock from the 80s, David Bowie also passed away about a year ago, uh, January as well. If you're a Star Wars fan, it was a really rough year. Uh, the man who played R2-D2 passed away. Uh, it's kind of a, a frustration. Then, of course, Carrie Fisher just a few days ago also um, was taken. And um, it felt like every week someone, was, someone notable was dying. There's well over 120 notable deaths this year, which uh, it seems like a lot. Uh, but for a lot of us, there's a lot to look forward to in 2017. Some great movies are coming out. The new Star Wars will be coming out. That'll be fun. Uh, for me and my wife, Beauty and the Beast will be coming out in a few months. Ayo. Um, we're really looking forward to that. We're planning on dressing up. If you all want to come with, you can be candlesticks or whatever. It should be a lot of fun. Um, and then, uh, strangely, I'm really hyped for Lego Batman. I don't know if you've seen the previews for this. I think it's shaping up to be better than The Dark Knight. Uh, I think it's going to be possibly the best Batman film ever to come out, and I'm really looking forward to it. So if you haven't seen that, you need to get on that right now. It looks incredible. Um, if you want to feel old, uh, this year will be the 20th anniversary of the first Harry Potter book. Yeah, let that sink in for a minute. Uh, 20th anniversary of the first Harry Potter book will be in 2017. 1997 is when the Philosopher's Stone was released in England. Uh, August 21st will actually be the first total solar eclipse for the entire country. So the entire United States is going to have a, a total solar eclipse visible. Uh, that's the first time since 1918 that's happened. So I don't think, I'm just looking out over here, I don't think anyone here was alive during that. I don't want to judge, but I don't think any of you were here for that. So that's going to be pretty neat. Um, and for those of you who are really into uh, um, classic rock, I guess, the I Love the 90s store is coming out this year. I think it's even coming to PNC Arena. So if you're a fan of Vanilla Ice, Salt and Peppa, Coolio, those guys will be in town. You can grab your Groupon tickets um, because they're in such high demand. Um, <laughs> So there's a lot to look forward to in 2017. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And sometimes around this time of year, you know, people make New Year's resolutions. They set goals for the new year. And I thought that'd be interesting. Uh, personally, I'm hoping to get to the gym at least three days a week. That's my goal for 2017, at least the ones that I can say out loud. Uh, that's the goal for, I have for 17. But I looked around, and there are some really strange resolutions out there. Uh, maybe you've made some strange resolutions, but I was looking around. Uh, some celebrities... Um, made these. Uh, the number one I saw was, I'm going to stop crying at Google commercials. That's a bold claim, isn't it? Those, commercial, those commercials like get you, right? So stop, praying at, uh, or stop crying sorry, uh, at Google commercials. Stop crying at Google commercials is a, is a resolution. Another one, someone is, I plan to incorporate, I don't roll that way into at least one conversation a week. I don't roll that way. So that should be a fun little challenge. I don't roll that way. That guy will not roll that way at least 52 times this year. So that should be something to look forward to for him. 
Um, this is one that probably hits home for a lot of you. It certainly does for me. I plan to read articles completely and not let them linger in tabs all day. Anyone else? That's me, like, to a T. By the end of the day, it's like just like all these articles and then like my Google Calendar. So resolutions are they're often beneficial, but they're usually not more than relatively surface-level changes that are marked by a reformed behavior. Uh, for example, I can buy a lot more kale, uh, but buying more kale is not going to prevent me from buying that five piece, five dollar twenty piece at McDonald's. If you know what I mean? That thing is amazing. Um, so when it comes to resolutions, it's it, it's it's a ref, it's a reformation of behavior, isn't it? We're trying to change something about the way that we do things in order to be a different person. But the Bible says that if we are followers of Christ, we are not to be marked by reformation, but by transformation. We are supposed to be different people, not different behaving people. We don't need new actions. We need to be new people entirely. <clears throat> the gospel of Jesus Christ tells us that this work, this transformation is not about us. It's not about what we do. It's what God has already done. It's not what we can improve. It's what God has already completed for us. And let's be honest right now, aren't you really glad that God has not judged you based on your ability to keep your past New Year's resolutions? Yeah. Now, the ultimate goal of resolutions is to improve our future, right? <clears throat> we don't want to just improve our here and now, but improve you know, things for a while. For example, if you want to work out like me, the goal is to get healthier and to have a potentially longer and better life. Um, if your goal is to be more patient this year, it's to improve your relationships with other people. If you're going to read more, it's to increase uh, your mental capacity or broaden your cultural horizons, anything along those lines. Uh, so we're all goal-oriented people. It's in our design. The way that we're designed is to strive towards a goal. We don't just do for the sake of doing. We, we reach and we strive after goals because that is the way that we were designed. If you're familiar with the, uh, the comedian Jim Gaffigan, he explains the exact opposite of this in one of his examples. He's going to the gym and he doesn't really want to be there and his trainer says to him, what are your workout goals? And he says, my goal is not to work out. <laughs> That's not motivating. If your goal is not to work out, obviously you're not going to have much of a, a workout routine. If you've ever played the board game Risk, you know about a goal. Um, has anyone here ever played Risk? A few people. Most of the people who have ever played Risk are still back home playing. Um, but if, you don't, if you're not familiar, the board game Risk is, is a game that um, your goal is world domination. right? You have your little pieces and your goal is to get around to all the different land masses on Earth and just to conquer and, and to be victorious over all those things. That's your goal. Um, so we all, you know, you're motivated by this, this end goal. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you profess him as Lord, Philippians 3.14 has our goal for us. It says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, Revelation 21 deals with an ultimate final future, which provides some motivation, some goals for us now. Now, if you are saved, if you are one of those followers of Christ, we have a perfect life waiting for us in the future. This life that we're in right now, this life in the flesh, so to speak, this life on this earth, is a vapor, is what James says. It's fleeting. It's here for one moment, and it's gone the next. In the song that we sang earlier, it says, What is your life? It is a mist that vanishes at dawn. No one in this room, as a matter of fact, is even guaranteed to make it home today. 
Maybe not something you thought about on January 1st of a brand new year, but you're not guaranteed to make it back to your house or your apartment or wherever you live. You're not. Every moment is a gift of grace. Now, God has called us as humans to have an intentional life, a life on mission, a life that is intentional, and a life with a purpose. And so we're spending some time in Revelation 21. If you're not familiar with the book of Revelation, it's written around the year 90 AD by the Apostle John. John is the last living apostle of Jesus at the time. He has been exiled to the, the island of Patmos, uh, where he is by himself, and he receives this prophetic vision from God. Um, and so what a prophetic vision, if you're not familiar, a prophetic vision is sort of like a dream, but it's actually happening, like an out-of-body experience, and God is graciously showing him what's going to happen in the future. The previous 20 chapters of this book are prophecy of, you know, the battles are going to happen, the fighting that's going to happen. And so we end up in Revelation 21, which is about what's going to happen um, at the very end times before we venture into eternity with God. So in this passage, I want to say that God demonstrates that the ultimate goal of all life and therefore He demonstrates the ultimate goal of all life, and therefore we can find three resolutions for intentional transformational living. So if you're not one for New Year's resolutions, hopefully these will help you out just a little bit. Um, They're kind of vague, and so you can apply them to your life as you need, but three resolutions for intentional transformational living. Resolution number one, fear not. Resolution one, resolve this year to fear not. And now the unknown grabs us all in different ways. Some people get kind of a thrill out of it. Some people like to drive for hours and hours and get lost and try to find their way back. For me, I kind of you know, put on Google Maps on my phone, and uh, I'm not allowed to go off that route. And if that does, so help me. I'm just I'm in a lot of trouble. Uh, but some people really like the unknown. But when it comes to death and the unknown of death, I think it's all something that makes us skittish sometimes. Even those who know what happens, the idea of dying can make us a little skittish um, Americans, we're all Americans, I'm pretty sure. I know mean, we have some international students, but we're all living in America at least today. Um, I can guarantee that. So we're all Americans, and Americans, we like comfort. Now, given the choice between comfort and risk, uh, we'll choose comfort, you know, most of the time, I would say. And why is that? Why is that? It's not necess- is it because we think that what we have right now is the best we'll ever have, and so it's our job to make it the most comfortable it can be? Why is it that we're so motivated to have comfort in the here and now? Look with me at verse 5 in Revelation 21. It says, He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I think this is incredible. So the one who's on the throne, in case you're not familiar, is God. God is seated on the throne. He's in charge. He's ruling. He's reigning. God is in control. And God on the throne speaks to us. That's amazing. If you look at all the different religions of the world, how often does the God, not just a God, but the God, the one true God, the real God, the living God, he speaks directly to us. And look at what he says. He says, behold. Behold, meditate, think deeply on this. Stand in awe of what I'm about to say. See, it is an imperative. You must do this. See, look, behold. It is a promise. There's nothing else for us to do. Behold, I am going to look 
I'm going to do a great thing. If you're familiar with the Jesus Storybook Bible, it reminds us that the promise is kind of phrased. It says, uh, when God says something, it's as good as done. We've been reading that to our kids at night. And when God says something, it's as good as done. There's no other way to really put that. When God says something, it's as good as done. Behold, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. God is not just a creator, but he's a re-creator. Genesis 1-1 and uh, Genesis 1-1 and and chapter 2 also talks about God's creation. God creates all things, and those things fall into sin because of the actions of man. But God says, I won't leave it there, and he is going to re-create. I am making all things new, and it's a promise. He says, behold, as in he's going to step back and say, check this out. Everything's going to be different from now on. Everything is new. All the bad things are coming untrue. All things, even the devastating ones. If you're familiar with Tim Keller, he's a a pastor up in New York City, and he was pastoring at the time the, uh, the planes hit the Twin Towers. And so he was preparing his Sunday sermon for the Sunday after 9-11. I can't even imagine what goes through your mind when you prepare a sermon after 9-11. But he has this incredible illustration when he's talking about the new creation and when everything becomes untrue, right? So everything's going to become untrue. And what what kind of relation do you have to things becoming untrue? Well, think of the worst dream you've ever had the very worst nightmare that's ever been a part of your life. I was uh, sharing with my wife this morning, <clears throat> the last two nights I've had some pretty rough dreams. A couple nights ago I dreamed that my dad had died, and I think we've all had those dreams where someone who's loved to you dies, and you're like, well, what am I going to do without this person in my life? So I had this dream that my dad was dead, and in that moment you, you know, you're not thinking, well, I'm in a dream that couldn't possibly happen. You're just like, oh my gosh, my dad's dead. Um, and so you wake up, and you slowly start realizing it was all a dream you slowly start realizing those things that were true, like 10 minutes ago, are no longer true. And so in this Revelation 21.5 passage, everything is becoming untrue. All the bad that has ever happened, all this pain that's ever happened, all the weeping and sorrow is becoming untrue. It's melting away as God recreates all things. There's this wonderful quote by Mother Teresa that I absolutely love. It says, she said, In the light of heaven, the worst suffering on earth, a life full of the most atrocious tortures on earth, will be seen to be no more serious than one night in an inconvenient motel. Fear not, because that's what's coming. Fear not, because this... Is all, it's all going to seem like fading one day. It's all going to be an inconvenient motel one day. It's all going to be untrue one day. And remember, recre- uh, this recreation of all things is a long time coming. If you think about Romans 8.19, it says, Since the fall of man when death and decay was introduced to the world, creation itself has been anticipating when the God who once made all things will, in his great glory, make all things new. The world around us is banking on this truth that God's going to make everything new. And God will do it, because he said, I'm going to. And he said, behold, I will do it. Behold, I am making all things new. 
the way that everything is going in history, no matter how out of control and how crazy it seems, is secure. If you have read the Bible, you're familiar that when angels show up to, to give God's message to different people, they often start, start their, their speeches with, fear not. God has good news, and we as humans are the recipients of that good news. To list here, let's resolve not to fear because our future is secure and our goal has already been achieved. If you look at Colossians 3.2, it says, set your minds on the things that are above not on things that are on the earth. So let's focus our hearts on God this year. Let's know that we are securely kept in him and that we are his. Run hard after what God says is important and fear not. God is on your side and nothing in existence can compare to our God. There is no problem or obstacle greater than the one who fights for you. Fear not because God's on your side. Resolution one is fear not. Resolution two, trust in God. I told you these were vague. Resolution two, trust in God. Look with me again back at verse five. Look at the second half of it. It says, also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And I think this is a really cool little passage. He says, write these down. This is a, a, a really cool situation where God's verbal words get written on the pages of the Bible. So it's a moment where God's words become the word of God. And if you're not familiar with how Scripture talks about itself, how God in his other parts of his Bible talks about how trustworthy his Bible is, uh, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 16. Excuse me. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 16 says this, For we, believers, did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we, heard, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The apostle Peter, one of the men who was closest to Jesus in this world, who went up on the mountain and saw him transfigured into his glory, who saw people who were long, long since gone, Moses and Elijah, standing there with him. He saw the Lord in his glory. He saw Jesus die. He saw Jesus raised from the dead. He saw Jesus go up into heaven. He saw all that with his eyes, and he said, the Bible is more trustworthy than that. Do you think that when you open up your Bibles, that this is the most trustworthy way I can know God? Because that's what the Bible says about himself. That's what the apostles say about your Bible. Peter was there. He saw it all. And he says the prophetic word is more fully confirmed. God says the Bible is what we need. Everything we need is in there. Let's resolve to trust God's word this year. 
You know, what is God saying through it? What lessons do you need to learn? What areas do you personally need to grow in? This is a reflective thing, all right? Um, I'm not telling you what you need to grow in. You can, you can uh, work on that yourselves. Um, <clears throat> do you guys remember, um, you know, we were talking about some of the 90s stuff or in the early 2000s one, maybe a little bit. Uh, do you guys remember those old, like, thick uh, iPods with a little wheel on them? And they had like the hard drives inside, like not the flash memory that we have now, but like the hard drives, like the little spinning wheels and stuff like that. And, you know, it was like a huge thing that like after like 12 months, the batteries would just like plummet. Um, and there were all these like little companies that would be like, oh, you can buy this battery and this amazing tool, which was just like a little plastic wedge that you were supposed to like pop off the front. I don't know if you guys ever did that. I did. It was awful. Uh, you could like go around and like watch some YouTube videos on people who were like, it's so simple, but it really was not simple at all, and you could completely wreck everything. Um, and so I did it, and I did completely wreck everything. And it was supposed to be like, you pop it off, you replace the battery, you, you close it back up, and you have this brand new iPod, basically. What I did is I like kind of dug it in there, and like the plastic kind of started chipping away, and I had like this uh, and I bent some of the metal on the bottom. I, I ended up replacing the battery, but I had this like Frankenstein-looking iPod of a thing, and it was just disgusting, and it like kind of like limped around and kind of like skipped on some songs for the rest of its unnatural life. Um, so what I'm saying through that is that when you get instructions, if you've been if those instructions been through Apple and not some YouTube guy, it probably would have gone a lot better, right? Uh, there are some alternative music players at the time that you could have had replaceable batteries, but. If, if Apple had sent you like a, a kit or if they'd done repairs in store to replace your battery, it would have gone a lot better. So when instructions are from the original maker of something, they're more trustworthy. It's the same deal with the Bible. John 17, 17, Jesus says that the word of God is truth. The one who made life gives us instructions for life in order that we may have life, life to the full and life eternal. Verse 6 of Revelation 21. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It is done. It reminds us some of Jesus' final words on the cross. In John 19.30, he says, It is finished. It was. Our justification then on the cross was completed. And now our restoration and recreation will be complete in Revelation 21. But now all things will be completed, right? Uh, there's nothing left for us as co-heirs of Christ to do but to receive our gracious inheritance from our Father, an eternity in the pleasure of God the Father, of joy with God. <clears throat> this, this final battle, this uh, final victory is already claimed by God. If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, you'll see what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 24 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24, says this, Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, he being Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The one thing left in this world that cannot be overcome is death. We've all felt it, right? And one day, death is going to die. There's a video game that came out pretty recently called That, that Dragon Cancer. It's a video game created by two Christian parents who lost their, um, I think, six-year-old to cancer. 
it's a devastating game. If you're ready for a good cry, um, feel free to watch the trailer. But one day that cancer that took that little boy's life is going to die. Suicide is going to die. Stillbirths and miscarriages will die. Death will die and life will flourish as we dwell forever with the giver of life. Death will be no more and God will stand on death's grave and say, it is done. Behold. Trust in that. Trust in God in that. Behold the sovereignty of our God in this passage. I mean, uh, the Alpha and Omega image, if you're not familiar with that, Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet, and saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, referring to that, was a common idiom of that day to say, I am responsible for everything in between. So we know that God is not constrained by time. God was, before there was God existed, and after everything, God will still be there. So God is responsible for everything in the middle. He holds it in the palm of his hand. Um, if you're not familiar with <clears throat> excuse me, the Hebrew, his name is Yahweh, which means I am. I am existence. I am life. I am truth. I am beauty. Everything that we know in life is measured by who God already is. He is ultimate perfection, and there's nothing that we can do that compares to what God already is. God says everything is in the palm of his hand, as nothing is outside his grip. Nothing can be lost. Nothing is not his. There's nothing that we can give to God that God does not already have. So when God says, I want you, he doesn't want you for what you have. He wants you because he wants you because he wants you because he wants you, not what you can give him. And remember this, that one day this God is bringing all people to know him. One day, whether by choice or by coercion, everyone will give glory to the king and confess Jesus as Lord. That includes those who are not believers. So when we lose our job this year, when a loved one gets really sick, when the finances just aren't going to work, when the prodigal does not come home, when everything is falling around you and you're so far beyond the edge of your rope you don't even know the last time you saw it, God is in control. You're not, but he is. Trust in God's control, his sovereignty. He's not surprised, he's not scared, he's not worried, and he's overjoyed to use a trial and your suffering to make you look more like Jesus, Romans 8, 17. Resolve to fear not and then resolve to trust in God because he's got you. He's got you. And there's nowhere safer for you to be. The resolution two is trust in God. Resolution three, believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Verses six and seven say, To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son Oh, over the Christmas break, I made the really weird decision to ask my parents what the worst present I ever gave them was. Um, and so I think I have a picture of the worst one my dad ever, I ever gave my dad. It's a tie. Um, yeah, so you ever give someone a present with your name on it? Because I have. <laughs> like that thing, that, that's just, I mean, I've got no excuses. That's just terrible. He actually wore it, too. Isn't that great of him? He's a good dad. Um, 
and I don't have a picture of this, but um, do you guys remember Dance Dance Revolution? Yeah, I love that thing, and my parents didn't, and so I got it for my mom for Christmas. <laughs> I was such a turd. Um, <laughs> I like, so I really wanted it, and I did not have the money for it, so I totally was like, you know what mom would really like is to exercise, and you know what she can exercise is she can play DDR with me, and so she played it once and hated it, and I played it for like three years. It was the worst present I ever gave. She forgot about it, but I had a reminder. She was like, oh, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> And, and both of those were terrible gifts. Why? Because they were completely self-serving. Like, yeah, I mean, ugly ties happen, right? All of us wear, well, not all of us. I wear ugly ties sometimes, um, but that doesn't make them necessarily bad gifts as they were given to me. What made that gift so bad is because it had my name on it that someone else was wearing. All right, so what makes a good gift good? Um, good gifts are usually ones that meet some kind of deep desire or even a need um, of the other person. Now, my, my darling wife, who unfortunately had to walk out uh, with our children, gave me this amazing present because it's a deep need that I had. Um, this is a Baltimore Orioles ugly sweater. Yeah. All right. Not only, not only is it like the best sports team that ever existed, but she now has to live with a man who owns this, right? That's, that's no easy thing. That's sacrifice right there. That's some love right there. All right. And so, um, you know, a good gift is one that's given to us out of a love for the other person, a, want, a desire to love and serve that other person. So in eternity, the greatest gift that God will ever give us is the same gospel we have access to right here, right now. Okay, the gospel doesn't change when we get to eternity. The gospel is still the same. All right, the gospel that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, that you could not please God on your own, but God in his love for you came as a human in the form of Jesus Christ. He lived the perfect death that you couldn't live. He died the death that you deserved because you so offended God, and he rose from the grave to show that he conquered death, and now he has ascended and sits at the right hand of God the Father and intercedes on your behalf because he loves you, and that's a great gift, and all you have to do is believe in him. Like we said, there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing that you can bring to him that he doesn't already have. That gospel is already yours, and that gospel is yours for eternity, and God reminds us of this when he says, to the thirsty, those who are needy, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. You don't have to bring anything. You don't have to offer God any sacrifices or any incense or any dollar bills. You've already got salvation when you believe. And there is no greater gift God gives you in eternity than that. Believe the gospel. Isaiah 55 says this. Isaiah 55 verses 1 and 2 says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. God has our welfare in mind and invites us into fellowship with his gospel. It's real, it's there, and it's waiting for you. He wants you. He wants you with everything that's wrong with you because he alone is the one who can satisfy. If you're not familiar with a man named Matt Chandler, he's also a pastor down in Texas, and he has this one story of a, 
a purity conference he went to one time, and the guy who was speaking, he said, was just doing a terrible job of biblically handling purity. And so his, his illustration, he had this rose, and he was like, look at this beautiful rose. It's beautiful. It smells good. And he gave it. He's like, everyone, uh, smell this, feel it, uh, enjoy it, pass it around. And uh, so they pass it around, and he's like going on and on. And it finally gets to the other side, and he picks it back up, and it's like tattered, and it's broken in half, and it's falling down. He's like, now who would want this rose? You know the answer? Jesus wants that rose. Jesus wants that rose, and all of your mess, and all of your sin, and all of your grossness, Jesus wants you. Jesus wants that rose. These conquerors that verse 7 talks about, another word for that would be an overcomer. Uh, G.K. Beale, who is a commentary author, says conquerors or overcomers conquer through their refusal to compromise their faith, even though it may cost them their lives. Are you going to believe that this year? that your faith may cost you your life this year? Are you an overcomer this year? Let's resolve to believe that, to believe in the gospel. Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That is God's work. It is God's love. It is not our own. It's what he's done and what he has given to us. It is an intimate, personal relationship that God has promised us. We are not a servant. We're not a relative. We're not even a friend. We are a child. We are invited into his family. We are one of his. We are brothers and sisters with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. It is an eternally unconditional relationship, and there is never one iota of lost love. It's a fulfillment of Psalm 89, 26, when it says, He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. God shows us his ultimate desire for mankind here in Revelation 21, and he promises to fulfill it. I want you forever, and I'm going to make everything new. This deep, intimate, eternal, fulfilling love can be yours when you believe the gospel. Transformation only occurs when a heart is fully surrendered to God. Repent of your sins and resolve to believe the gospel. So with all that happened in 2016, all that junk, it's easy to forget that a lot of non-famous people died too. Yeah? A lot of us suffered personal loss in 2016. A lot of pain happened in our own lives. A lot of people in this room had a bad 2016. And here's the thing. 2017 has no promises to be any better. No one's given you that. No one's promised you that. In fact, 2017 might be worse for a lot of us. We're all a year older. We're all a year more tired, a year sicker. We've all spent an extra year being exposed to internal and external sins of this world. We have no way of knowing. 2017 might be much worse than 2016 was. So let's not put our hope in a year. As you engage your New Year's resolutions or your goals... Let's resolve to do these three things. Let's resolve to fear not. Let's resolve to trust in God and resolve to fear the gospel. Let's not hope in 2017, which is a vapor that vanishes. Let's put our hope in God, who is making all things new. Let's pray. God, I thank you that one day all things will be made new. And one day all the pain and all the sadness will come untrue. I thank you that you hold us in your hand, that we can fear not because of who you are, that we can trust in you because of what you said and 
<clears throat> because you are a faithful, loving God. And I thank you that we can believe the gospel because it is true and it's free and it's for us and we can come as we are. So I pray that this year would be marked by our faithfulness to you and your incredible love for us. Help us to love you more every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.